Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Marina, New Zealand, good morning to you on this uh, Tuesday morning. Hope it's uh, a cool day and it started well for you uh, around the country listening to us here on SCNZ. Our show, of course, uh, brought to you by Brandt, uh, your local John Deere equipment suppliers, experts in all things agriculture as well. Uh, many, many branches uh, around the North Island. Just look them up and go visit them if you need anything in the agricultural industry. We've got Louis Herman Watt this morning down there in Christchurch. Brian Rariri running the cutter in Auckland. And today's show um, includes a chat with Kevin Murphy. Now, Kevin is the Napier City Council events manager. He's basically the bloke who's responsible uh, for those big events that come to town. And one of them, of course, came to town. And it's been in the headlines for a couple of reasons. One, it was a pretty fine game of league. Um, but there were other things that happened around it. Well documented. Uh, Kevin's been a busy guy in the media, so uh, we'll chat to him as well. We'll have a talk back after 9.30. number of issues. I don't know if you've caught that um, IPL final this morning. Stephen Fleming and MS Doney have done it again. They've won five. So good old Flem. <laughs> be a nice little bonus for him. Uh, and the gig continues. There's no doubt about that. Uh, he'll have it for life by the sounds of things. Five times they've won the IPL, which is not an easy thing to win. Um, so uh, hopefully uh, you might have seen that. If not, uh, we'll continue on this theme. After you've heard from Kevin Murphy, what can we do about pitch invaders? Because it seems at the moment the legislation in some areas of New Zealand is pretty damn weak. Uh, just after 10 o'clock, Nick Yeoman, IndyCar uh, car radio commentator, of course. Uh, he's fantastic. Uh, he's there. He called the action at the weekend. Let's wrap it up. Uh, two New Zealanders involved in that and plenty of drama. Around 10.30 this morning, Sam Ackerman uh, will be on the bulletin. number of things to talk about, Sam. We're getting so excited because the state of origin, of course, is tomorrow night in Adelaide. Talk to Louis uh, in depth about uh, racing today at Hastings. It's a make-up day after uh, a, a rained-out day or a cancelled day. BP will be with us. Good Hawks Bay boy. Uh, Alex Fledger just after 11 o'clock as well. Um, of course, uh, Alex Fledger um, has a great story attached to him. And uh, his recovery and the fact that he's come back to basketball playing for the Southland Sharks is a, a real beauty. So we'll talk to Alex. Of course, he'll be an NBA fan as well. And there's game seven today between the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. And the Celtics are hot favourites. Uh, sports desk with uh, Louie around about 11.25. Stump Smithy this morning, folks. It's $100. $100. And the other thing to take into account as well... Uh, text your text on double eight double three double eight double three throughout the morning on anything, and we shall read them out. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's sermon. Well, I wasn't going to write a sermon this morning. I didn't think there was too much to write about, and then I turned on the tally. Some things never die. Well, in sport, it seems the IPL and its fanatical level of support is a classic case. I mean. 
If you've got a couple of spare hours at some stage, take a Guernsey at a replay of this morning's grand final in Ahmedabad. Narendra Modi Stadium venue. Capacity, a mere 132,000 people. Every seat occupied. Staggering. And the drama, a last ball win for Stephen Fleming, MS Dhoni, Devon Conway, Ravindra Jadeja, a all. Dhoni out first ball. Buckets of tears. Can't win without MS. You can't win the game if MS gets out first ball. Enter Jadeja. A six and a four off the last two balls. With ten to win. I mean, they write some weird and wonderful scripts in Bollywood. They always have. But this one will have them queuing up for awards. We've all seen these finishes before. Nightmare vs. Dream type. And when you look back at in time, they also seem to roll one into the other. This one will too. But this comp continues to deliver at a level envied by sports promoters around the world. You can buy franchises, buy coaches and players, build fields of dreams, but you cannot buy passion to the extent the Indian cricket fan possess. True devotees, grandmothers and grandfathers down the chain, it's really quite extraordinary. And through all the delirium, and it was at the end of it, not a ground invasion, not an attempt either, respect for the players, respect for the occasion. They wouldn't dare. The ramifications would be dire. So we can provide the stadia, we can buy those franchises and those players, we can provide the setting, we just need to discover the respect. But in a society where a little of that for people's property or possessions is apparent, what little chance is there? As we discussed yesterday, the Warriors-Broncos spectacle in Napa was a lot of fun, despite the result. Uh, there was some idiots that went a long way to try and ruin the experience, though with multiple pitch invaders towards the end of the game, creating a huge headache for security players, referees, the NRL, basically everyone else. So why can't we punish these idiots to the point that they never do it again, disincentivize the act of spoiling a professional sports game, or any big occasion for that matter? because the current legislation doesn't allow it under the Major Events Management Act. That is the problem. Now, Kevin Murphy is with us now, and Kevin is the, the Napier City Council Events Manager. Did a wonderful job luring the Warriors to town, but uh, at times the other night he would have been, I would think, almost distraught. Kevin, good morning to you. Morning, morning Smithy. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing all right. It's been a couple of days since uh, what was uh, going to be a fantastic night. Um, it still was in the end for the majority of people. Um, but, uh, you know, it provided a lot of headaches, which is totally unnecessary, Kevin. Um, right now, a couple of days after it, how are you feeling about it? Well, I mean, still pretty gutted, to be honest. I mean, I'd actually been right um, for a walk around the whole ground and I ended up jumping up into the security box and was just commenting how great the night was and how the atmosphere was great, and then suddenly bloody all chaos happened. So, I mean, I've never been um, involved in a... or never watched a game with just so much activity with pitch invasions. It was just ridiculous. And, I mean, the the issue is is that these people, you know, there's no respect, and there's no really... You know, they haven't got anything to deter them doing it because they get a slap on the wrist 
they get a trespass notice, which, you know, to be honest, when you actually drill down into that, how effective is that? How can we police it? And then, um, and no fines, the disorderly behaviour area the police don't really want to go to. And so then we, as you said, we rely back on the Major Events Act for the big games, but it doesn't cover these games. So then do we, do we have to um, put in place something like Australia has where there is something around pitch invasions for a piece of legislation in both Victoria and Sydney from what I can gather? Um, but yeah, we need something because it's not just our problem. Wellington has had it, Rotorua has had it. Who knows who's going to be next? I mean, there's just an attitude with some, you know, very small minority, but it's affecting everyone. And it's not just the NRL. We've got, you know, the New Zealand cricket are very sensitive about pitch invasions, super rugby. Anyone who's running a competition wants to protect the integrity of that competition. And the discussion around security is always a pre-game discussion and when it turns to chaos like this, well, there's a lot of heat on everyone and it's bloody disappointing. It's, yeah, I think you're putting it very mildly, to be perfectly honest. So what happened to these idiots? What what happened, uh, you know, they get um, hauled in uh, by a really yeah. hard-working sec- security bunch of people. What happens to, to them after yeah, that eight. point? So eight of them got uh, put in custody and eight of them got served notices. There was a number that were youth offenders. Some of them actually got taken home by the police and um, and some were given warnings. But, you know, there's, there's, there just needs to be some teeth. There's no teeth in any of the, the legislation that's going to stop these guys doing it. Right. Uh Security levels, uh, they were high enough, you feel? Yeah. You know, we, we reviewed, uh, you, know, pre, you know, before the game there was a, um, a second row of fencing put in, so down the embankment end where we knew we were going to have a big crowd, um, there were basically three fences to jump before you got on the field for a good portion of the dead ball area. Uh, down the other end there was, there was one row of additional fencing. The security guys had over 30 perimeter staff so that was beefed up on what they normally do um, you know when you've got the the security guys in some areas especially when you've got two or three or more people coming at you and you know security guys only got you know one set of arms um, so I, I think they did what they could and you know you can you can say that we need to throw more security at it I mean, where, where does that end, though? Do we do we then need to have, have to have two two metre high fencing and start seeing all these caged venues that you see around the world? I mean, do we really want to have to go down that? Surely we can do something, you know, before we get to that stage. So, Kevin, you can ban them from coming back to McLean Park. I understand you might have done that. How do you police that, though? Well, that's my issue. I mean, we'll get the names and we might get a photo from the police. I, we, I've, I'm yet to have that conversation to confirm that we can get even just a, an ID because how do we police it? You know, if those guys roll up to the, the first Magpies game, are we really going to know that it's them? That's the issue. How do we police it? i got no so idea. it ends up just being... Like, just, uh, I've, just I've, I've often wondered just about a wet, this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, I've been involved in other venues where it's the same issue. Yeah, look, uh, how do do Australia do this? So they get different legislation. I mean, um, uh, some people say, look, all you've got, you know, when I say all you've got to do, what what has to be known is made it very clear on the big screen, the ground announcement, what the punishment is. But as you say, there is no punishment, so you can't. 
No, we can't at the moment. And so in in um, Victoria, they have a system, they have an act, and I think they actually call it, it's a major events act, but it, it drops down into naming the venues that it covers and the level of games that it covers. So it's a lot wider than what our, our major event legislation is just talking about World Cups, basically. FIFA, the Rugby and Cricket World Cups, but their legislation in Victoria covers a, a lot wider um, area and they allocate points to various offences and for the pitch invasion or being on the field um, it has it carries a, I think it's a 60 point which equivalates to about $11,000 worth of fines maximum and that increases each year and at venues they say do not go on the pitch you will be liable for a penalty to the level of that so I mean at least it's something that's got a bit more pointed sort of end result to it. How much does it? Um, how much of a bill is security when you're putting an event on? Uh, for us on Saturday night, it was about thirty-five k. How much do you have to pay to get the ground to get the Warriors to come? Where? How, how do you go about securing the match? Well, we pick up a, a good portion of cost, so we take a risk in the. Um, in the whole game, so we need to turn over. You know, we need to have a crowd like we had on Saturday night to pay the bills, basically. So wow. it's always there's always a level of risk on the city, um, but it was a managed risk because we knew that we'd never hosted them. We knew that it would, everyone was passionate about having the game here. Absolutely blown away by the just the range of people that are totally engaged with NRL competition and the Warriors, and that was probably at a higher level than what even I probably predicted. But, I mean, we've been working for a long time. I mean, I started the conversation, and after we had the Storm Dragons game here in 2015, um, everyone said that was a great game, but if we do another NRL, get the Warriors. And so the conversation with the Warriors started at the end of 2015. And then we obviously had the pandemic, and, and then we were able to re-engage. Um, and the, over that period, I've been talking to the Warriors directly, but also a couple of Australian clubs to bring their Warriors game to Napier. And we got very close a couple of times, but um, it wasn't until at the end of last year that we were able to do the deal with, with the Warriors directly, which was great. Have you had contact uh, with uh, the Warriors organisation since? Uh, yep, Cameron's. Um, I spoke to Cameron after the game, you know, well after the game, and had a, a brief conversation. But, you know, the, at the end of the day, they um, take a lot of direction from the NRL, so the concern uh, that the NRL are throwing around. I mean, uh, Gallon talking about you know not bringing the match back to Napier. Well, I mean, Wellington have got exactly the same problem because they had as many in the end as what we had. So it's not. It's a New Zealand-wide issue that needs to be addressed. Um, but we're still. Um, I'd like to still think that we're in the mix to be able to host them in the future um, and we'll continue that conversation once we once the dust settles but I think we need to as a country we need to have some way to be able to address this situation and I know a lot of other stadiums um, the Wellington Sky Stadium, Shane Harmon's very much wanting to see a change in the legislation so so we can actually try and have a, have a end you know, fine or something that is going to put some reason for these people not to continue to to upset everyone else's enjoyment. I mean, it's just such a small minority of people that is absolutely killing the thing for everyone. See, these days, uh, when you buy tickets, uh, do you get, still get printed tickets? I mean, can you put it on the ticket that uh, of, you know, the likelihood of what will happen? 
Uh, yeah, you could. Yeah, and I mean, whether people read all of that, but you'd certainly, if you had it, you would you would put it on there. And you know, a decent amount of signage around the perimeters would certainly go a, a good way towards that. So I think we can, if we had the legislation and the backup and some teeth to it, well, we can manage the marketing and and the messaging. Right, so um, what's the next step in terms of that regard? Do you, I mean, you, you'll have a lot of yeah. um, colleagues around the country who put on big events. I mean, do it at some stage yeah. you just there's have a, a conference a nationwide and discussion. Say, let's do some, let's do something about yeah. this and get your local MPs onto it. Is that how it works? Yeah, definitely. I've got Shane Harmon from Wellington is calling me today, and we're talking exactly about that, about what the next step next step is. How do we get this um, put in front of Parliament? police, whoever we need to. Uh, Red Badger also talking to police um, about similar things. So there is a coordinated sort of approach and it just needs to have, it can't, it can't be dragged on. We need some movement fairly quickly. Otherwise, um, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be put in a really bad space to be able to host things. Um, and it's not what anyone wants. You know, these events are too, are too good and too big for regions to not host and so we're going to need to um we need to make some movement get some results see if i was profiling these people kevin i would say i would be saying they're not league fans they're not league fans um at all um you know i'd give them some other adjectives as well but they they certainly have no respect for the game or the players involved in the game so when no. you see one go and the first person who does it, I think should get the ultimate fine because um, the rest are just like sheep following. Um, mm. I mean, mm. what kind of what kind of people? I mean, was there intoxication involved? Yet, you know, I mean, you didn't I, talk to I them personally. I haven't. No, I haven't. But I, you know, we'll be getting their names, and we'll. And wouldn't it be great to just name and shame them if we were able to get some images and photos and put them out at the gate at McLean Park? Can we I'll do tell that? you what, well, you, you, I don't know what the leg, uh, legislation is, I'll look into it, but if you provide me with the names, I'm happy to name them. I'll tell you that, I'm happy yeah. to name them. So if, you, um, mm. if, if, if I'm permitted to do that without the company being sued inside out, um, I, I, I don't see a problem with saying these are the people uh, that ruined your night, folks, and ruined the chance of the Warriors coming back here for quite some time. And I don't think there'd be yeah. too many people that would argue against that, Kevin. No, so that's the conversation I'm having with the police, so I'll find out what we can do. Uh, well, I, I, you know, up until that point, you had organised a fantastic occasion, and at the end of the day, the majority, although um, the Warriors were denied at the end by um, a decision which was contentious, but uh, they didn't moan about, uh, I think it was a, a brilliant occasion. Uh, I'd, go back to, I'd go back this Saturday if you put one on again, and I hope that you get that opportunity. So, Kevin, uh, thank you very much uh, for coming on. Understand your frustrations, and uh, let's hope uh, something is done about it on the evidence of what we had to witness. Cheers, man. All the best. Thanks. Thanks, Mother. Cheers. Uh, Kevin Murphy there, uh, folks. He is uh, the Napier City Council events manager. It's on him, really. It is his job. Uh, he's the man that is responsible for getting these events into Hawke's Bay, uh, whether they be concerts, uh, whether they be sporting events, uh, whether they be anything of that nature which attracts people to an area um, which is, by and large, a very, very good host of these things. Lots of things to do in Hawke's Bay uh, without being a, an absolute tool. So um, if we had that, man, I'd be happy, absolutely happy uh, to, to, to uh, bring that 
those names forward. I don't see the problem. I don't, if you're prepared to stick yourself out in front of the world like that and be a, a complete and utter clown, you want the notoriety, you think you're damn clever, uh, I'll name you. That'll make you even more noted. 922. SCNZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Call anytime. 0800 150 811. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.27, we invite you to call 0800 150 after the news coming up with uh, Aroha. But uh, we've got some uh, wonderful texts here uh, that have come in already. This is an emotive subject because uh, you pay big money to go to an event. You have the right to watch that event in its entirety, uninterrupted. Um, and so as um, an innocent party here, you are being affected. Uh, you should remember that. And uh, the cost to get into grounds to go to games, etc., is exorbitant. Um, the cost of product at the grounds is exorbitant. We talk about this time after time. And now we're talking about an issue which rears its ugly or head or heads uh, every now and then, uh, but it has a great effect on your entertainment, on the money you've spent. Uh, this is uh, Paddy from Ashburton. Smithy, there seems to be a, more a market for pitch invaders than sp sport watching here. I went to see the Crusaders vs Blues game in Christchurch the other week. A good close game, but some couldn't get off there all night. Others glued to uh, the the cheerleaders in the corner, and the biggest noise of the night when a pitch invader got onto the ground in the far corner. I think there's massive popularity for these pitch invaders. Is this saying something about our culture? You bet it is. So-called fans are more interested in a Mexican wave than a good, close, interesting game of footy. We are light years away from those 130,000 Indian cricket fans. It's clearly cultural here, or lack of it. That is Patrick's observation from Ashburton. Appreciate it, Patrick, and uh, you are on the money. Uh, Chris has come in on the cricket this morning. Uh, they are a great team, Donny and Fleming. Not only uh, have they won five, but have played in ten finals and only missed the playoffs twice. Yeah, it is an incredible record, uh, aside from uh, everything else. Uh, that cannot be denied, Chris, you're right. And Stephen Fleming just has that relationship with MS Dhoni and the ability to stay in a job, a cricketing job in India, which is so demanding for, uh, it seems to be an endless period of time for Flem, um, is amazing. Sure, success is a big part of it, uh, but I, I, can, I can tell you um, that uh, it is not easy to survive. John Wright was another one that did uh, brilliantly well for the Indian national team. It should be a, uh, Peter says, it should be a fine of of $2,000 at least, uh, Peter. That's, oh, look, uh, for, uh, for a lot of people, $2,000 is a heap of money and it would be a deterrent. But, you know, then you get your situation where you get 10 mates who say, I'll give you 200 bucks each. We'll give, give you 200 bucks each. We'll give you 400 if you can get to the other end. You know, I mean, this what's happened. It's, effectively, it turns into a game of bull rush for these guys, but they're not going to win it. Because when they get to the end, they should get sorted. And that's the other problem. We don't, they, they frog march them off, but they should frog march them somewhere else, as far as I'm concerned. Hi, um, the Incidents like Saturday night also sadly could bring additional uh, scrutiny upon future liquor licensing for special events at the stadium. You're dead right. Uh, that is why I asked if they were intoxicated. Because if that was a reason, 
I don't, don't understand it. Uh, also, it may test the resolve of the good folks still contributing to disaster relief. It's a shame. Yeah, it's a bad look. Absolutely correct. Terrible look um, for and a lot of these people that come to this game. Make no mistake, we're out, outsiders, not Hawks Bay people, because they're dedicated Warriors League fans. They are not all Hawks Bay people we're talking about. Um, there are people that committed a lot of money, um, and it is. It's very expensive exercise to travel these days to come to this game. Think about them. Think about those people who were, had their night ruined at the last minute. Uh, I know, uh, uh, how can you expect pitch invaders to be dealt with by the law when they let thugs away with beating an old man with a hammer and a crowbar? I read that article, made me sick, absolutely sick. Um, Smithy, I'm loving how much emphasis you, um, on the invaders uh, you're putting in. It makes my blood boil too. Ban them for life, I say, name and shame. I, I don't have a problem with naming them, I really don't. Uh, someone said to me, but if you name them, it makes them even more famous. Well, does it? Does it really? Um, you know, they they want to be famous. They want to be famous. Quite clearly, they want to see the they want the world to see what they're doing. That's Sammy uh, from Arrowtown. Thank you, Sammy. Uh, hey, Smithy, what happened uh, with the pitch invaders had made it onto the BBC News. Well, there you go. Nine thirty-one here on SCNZ. Fourteen seventy-six AM in Auckland. This is SCNZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. You can catch live commentary of State of Origin Game One tomorrow night from nine PM on SCNZ. Talkback time with Smithy. Call now 0800 150 811. Right, we've asked for your calls and they're uh, coming in in good numbers too and it's Cliff uh, from Dunedin first up. Cliffy, good morning to you. Yeah, good morning Smithy. I, I, I think that um, the security in these grounds is just not up to it anymore. I think you need more police. I don't mean you need 100 policemen like the, the Springbok days, but they need more policemen working around the the, the areas where they can come on, you know, in front. Some of the security people I have, they're not even, you know, they are trained to an extent, but they're just all shapes and sizes dressed up on the sideline. And these guys just want to tease them and, and see if they can run and who can chase me. But... If you announce at the start of the game that anyone that goes on the pitch will be arrested by the police and, and people can see the police there, fellas walking around, that you'll go in the tank outside and you'll be taken down to the station, that'll put the, the idea off as more than um, just leaving it to, you know, how it can run on the day. What do you I, reckon? Look, I totally, I totally agree, Cliff. Um, there's got to be... Um, more ramifications for this. Uh, otherwise, it, it will not. Uh, there won't be a big enough deterrent. They'll keep doing it. I mean, you know, they gave. A, apparently, I just heard from Kevin Murphy. Some of these kids were youths, um, so they fall under a different bracket. Apparently, to adults. Uh, I don't see that. Um, to be perfectly honest, that's one body going on there. It's motivated. I don't care how old that body is. To be honest, um, and they give them a ride home. What? Give them a ride home well, as well. They, they go. They take take the KFC and feed them or something before, you know. This is sort of crazy ideas that it is now, but you know, there's got to be firmness right at the start. They've got to be told if anyone goes on, they're arrested, and the, and they'll be dealt with by the police that are there. Not not just on the 
shouldered by a, a security guy, taken away, and then uh, basically given a piece of paper saying you're not allowed to come back here for a period of time. And then, you know, they just laugh at that, and it is a laugh. But uh, you're talking about that the cricket, you know, like you say, Fleming and Doney, just amazing. You know, they're just building on. They have... They know how to play that game, and they know what teams to front up, what who who they put out there, and and they're a great team. And you know, it's a shame for him doesn't come back and get involved in our game. But you know, he's earning too much money for probably for us to to peg him. And why would you? You, you know, you could work three or four months of the year and never work the rest <laughs> of it. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's good for your golf game, I can tell you that If you keep on winning the IPL, I promise you Cliffy Thanks you very much for your call uh, Let's go to uh, Mikey, I think, from uh, Christchurch Mikey, good morning Oh, hi Smithy Hey, look, I, I think this thing's been going on for such a long time And it's not just pitch invaders um, We bemoan the fact that we can't, you know There's fun place at stadiums and We can treat a lot of children And you can only have so many beers and whatever But I think their hands have been forced over the years I mean, I've been going to the crickets, particularly one day, as for as long as I can remember, and and inevitably after four hours or so, there's just a group of idiots who who think that drinking as much as you can is the way to go at a cricket game, ruin it for everybody around them. Um, they tell you they're only having fun, but their fun is ruining it for so many other people's fun that it's almost got to the point where. You know, with the, with the incredible coverage you have on TV and stuff, I'm, and I'm I'm getting a lot older now. It's just like ah, I'll stay at home. Beers are in the fridge. Um, no one's annoying me. You can have a couple of mates round, easy peasy. Because you get these fools who kind of ruin the whole atmosphere um, for 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 everybody, and it is the minority. Um, but it's just a damn shame. Damn shame. Well, there was a policy, and you will notice that, um, Mikey, that uh, television. Companies do not show um, who the wireless actors on. They they go away to other things. They go to highlights packages or they go to other things. I, I'd be I'd be seriously thinking about having an agreement saying, "Lo, let's show. Let's at least show. Let's show their faces after the once they're hauling them off. Let's get cameras on them and show their faces." Uh, you know, you're not highlighting the act, but you you're uh, you're highlighting the perpetrator of the act. And you're making it very, very public for all to see who the idiots are that are ruining it for the majority. And I, I, I think there might come to a point. Uh, there might come to a point when uh, that happens. And I don't. I, I, I wouldn't begrudge that at all. I wouldn't begrudge it because you're not. To me, you're not highlighting anything positive. You're showing something extremely negative. Extremely negative. Mikey, thanks very much uh, for your call. Uh, totally agree. The, the sentiments are unanimous, really, I think, anyway. Joey. Good morning, Joey, from Auckland. Yeah, g'day, Smithy. You, you, you name and shame them, Smithy, you know, like you said, and I, I agree with you. Put the cameras on them, name and shame them, find them 10 grand. This doesn't happen. It seems to be happening in New Zealand more than anywhere else. It doesn't seem to happen in Australia anymore because they get fined 10 grand. You know, if you name and shame them, and I'd like to, to find out, if you could, Smithy, whether, how many of them were actually from Hawke's Bay? Because, you know, Hawke's Bay gets t- um, tended with, with this a, a little bit. And look, as I said in my text yesterday, there's fantastic people in Hawke's Bay. 95% of the people in Hawke's Bay are lovely people. Just like 95% of Kiwis are lovely. You get these dickheads that, that think they, they, you know, they can run out on the... And, and they think it's a big joke. Oh, it's fantastic. You know, if you, if you name and shame them and, and actually took photos of them, 
and put them in the say the local pub or whatever, wherever in the local the local um, uh, food camp, food you know wherever you go, whatever, and 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 do it like that and find them ten grand. They wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it, Smitty. You know, I feel sorry for for you guys down there because that week was fantastic for you for down there. Even the Broncos and all that said that. And then for these guys to, to do this, it may affect the, the Nick. You know, you guys having another another game down there, and and that's really sad for all the all the real good people that come from there. You're absolutely right, Joey. Yeah, it has ruined it. Uh, they won't be back here in a hurry. Uh, NRL, um, we'll make sure of that. Um, even if the Warriors were hell bent on saying we need to go back there, and and uh, because the rest of it was absolutely fantastic, it doesn't matter. Uh, the NRL will rule on that, and it's an easy one for Cameron George and that to uh, to, to to work through. Uh, they just won't want to come back here. They're going to Hamilton, I think, uh, later in the season. All eyes on Hamilton. Uh, we'll take a short break. When we come back, Paul from Northland's waiting for us. Another couple of callers as well. Uh, we'll try to fit you all in. Thank you very much. 7-Eleven is a famous dairy all around the world, but in Wellington, it's world famous for being the SENZ frequency. Strap in, listen up, and get involved. Here on SENZ. Back in the day, in Palmy North, I remember being at Fitzuba Park watching the Pakistanis take on my central districts. And if I had SENZ back then, I would have listened on 8.28am. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.47 here on SCNZ. Patience is a virtue and Paul from Northland has plenty of it. Paul, good morning to you. Good morning, Smitty. Um, yeah, just on the origin, quickly, I was listening to that promo, the origin. I, I just can't help but feel with the origin. It's such a shame, you know. It, it used to be uh, basically a trial for the kangaroos, you know. It was, it was the best players, Australian players, who wanted to, to, to wear the green and gold. But now it's just become, you know, you've got players... From all sorts, representing Samoa and all sorts of other things going on, and you've even got a Tavita Pangai Jr. who said he, he supported Queensland. Now he's playing for the Blues. It's, it's just a shame. It's become a bit of a joke, to be honest. It's a hell of a spectacle, though, um, you know, and that, of course, is what um, makes it so popular, isn't it, Paul? I, I get where you're coming from in that regard, but international league. I mean, it's it's a it's higher up the pecking order than international league itself, isn't it? Oh, people say that, but, um, you know, I've heard a lot of players, the prestige of the kangaroo jersey, I think uh, a lot of them are saying that it holds more. I mean, it'd be interesting to see if, if those Origin players went paid $30,000 per game, how many would put their hand up. Well, that's another topic. <laughs> um, now, I heard you say last, last week that you um, that was your first NRL game. I just wanted to, to see, what, first of all, what, what you thought. I thought it was fantastic. I absolutely do. Been a lot of sport over the years, um, mainly rugby and cricket, as you well know, but um, I thought it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I, I, I was sort of at a, a, a corner position, so I wasn't side on, but you're able to see gaps. You're able to see, um, you know, the way the game crossed the field, etc., looking for those opportunities, the kicking game, etc. Um, I thought it was fantastic. I, I really did. I'd go again tomorrow. Um, I'd love to go to Mount Smart and cop the atmosphere there cop the respect of the fans there and and um you know i'd have no no qualms at all about driving up there this saturday night 
um, and go into a, another game. It wouldn't worry me at all, apart from the fact that my son's getting engaged on Saturday, so uh, that probably won't happen. But any time after that, um, Paul, absolutely fantastic. I appreciate your call, and I get your sentiments too about that green jersey. Um, but I think the ratings will be very, very high tomorrow night. State of Origin 1 in Adelaide. Bernard, Bernard from Canterbury. Good morning to you, sir. G'day, how are you? Um, <clears throat> you're right about the humiliation of, of these guys on, on your um, pitch invaders. And do you remember um, Trent from Racetrack about a year or two back? There was a chap ran out onto the track and um, all the horses were coming home and he, he they, they dodged him, they missed him. And um, he turned around and waved to the crowd. Well, that, that fella should have been grabbed, knowing who he was, and taken around every race course every Saturday and had him in, a, in the old stocks. And just just show everybody that this is the guy that ran out on that racetrack that day. Um, and the same should be happening with these young fellas. Grab them. You know, you, you've caught them, so hang on to them. You know where they are. And then just parade them every bloody game, um, wherever you are. Um, anyway, that's, I suppose that's old hat, but that's, that's the way I feel. Well, Bernard, you and I are both old enough to uh, remember the days of the stocks, really, aren't we? I mean, uh, we probably didn't live in them, but they weren't too far removed from us when, uh, when you um, deprived the public or you stole or anything of that nature. Uh, they put you on show in the village square in stocks. Um, and people would come and throw rotten apples and fruit at them and, and just abuse the hell out of them and uh, make them think twice about doing it again. Of course, those days are long gone uh, where you can publicly humiliate people. Um, and probably, I would imagine, because um, you know we're, we're very happy here to, um, to name these idiots, um, if people wanted to know. Um, I've just got a text in to say... Um, Police will use the Privacy Act so people can't be named and shamed. Victims cop it. Perpetrators get off. Uh, it's like in our court system. Um, absolutely right. You, you're dead right. Bernard, thank you very much for your call and, and uh, waiting as well. Outstanding. It's uh, 9.51. ECNZ, it's Kiwi for Sport. Keep up to date on Twitter and Instagram at ECNZ underscore radio. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, calls have been fantastic and I thank you very much for that, as have been the texts and uh, they keep coming in. Hi Smithy, time to name and shame them on the front page of the Hawks Bay today with their photos. Cheers, Paul. Yep, um, I'm not saying every one of them was a Hawks Bay person. I'm not. Uh, I would say uh, the fair chance uh, a lot of them were, but I'm not saying they all were. I think there's a lot of people came from out of town for this particular event, um, but um, they'd become recognisable. And um, if you uh, think it's good, uh, if you think it's a good thing, um, that what they did, you might even like to, the fact that you can uh, see yourself in the paper, on the front page of the paper. You might boast about that. You are, you're a strange cookie. Uh, Smithy, a good photo of one of the, uh, the idiots on the back page of the post this morning. That's from Rex. Um, police do supply staff, but it's not their job to chase pitch invaders, but will remove them once detained. Agree a mandatory 10k fine needs to be introduced. Um, and that is from Dion in Dunedin. Thanks, Dion. Jerry's changed the subject, which is uh, always cool too. Um, IDS Smith, yep, 
That's me. Uh, lots of praise for Flem and Doni. What about our Devin Conway? What about him? Damn near the best on show all tournament. The guy is total class. Jerry, you're so right. And it's a nice diversion away from what we've been talking about for the last hour. Uh, Devin Conway scored 47 this morning. He was the top scorer for the Chennai Super Kings as they went and won their fifth title. Devin Conway is being touted on red stuff this morning as being the highest paid New Zealand cricketer on contract. He covers all three disciplines. And uh, even though he's not a captain, um, that would be a heck of an honour for a guy who's been around, what, two years for us, two or three years? God, it's a great shame. A great shame that we haven't had him for longer. Um, but he is some player, this kid. And look for him to be a star in Indian conditions in the World Cup. Uh, Henry's come in with a, a game which won't a, a text which won't please Red Badge. Uh, what about a game of ball rush at half time? Winner gets the prize like a ball and a jersey signed. Come on the field when the game is on. Lifetime ban for all sporting stadiums and 10k fine. Uh, I don't know if Red Badge would buy into that one, Henry, but um, I like the idea of um, uh, the brave ones giving it a crack. And then when they get caught, that's it. Uh, we won't leave this alone. If you've got um, more texts to come in, double eight, double three, we will read them out. Um, but after the break, we are going to change tack. We're going to go up market, up speed. Indy 500 review. Why not? Let's get uh, to our friend Nick Yeoman in the United States. And a love 12. You can catch live commentary of State of Origin Game 1 tomorrow night from 9pm on SENZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, they were going the distance yesterday um, at the Indianapolis 500, uh, without doubt uh, the most famous motor race uh, worldwide. It's the one that's best known. And uh, yesterday it uh, was uh, the 107th edition of said race, and a race where the final 15 laps took more than an hour, yes, an hour to complete. Uh, including uh, a first-time winner, Joseph Newgarden, getting up, which was quite uh, a, a romantic story in itself. There were some frightening scenes, though. There often is at motor racing throughout, including uh, a little bit of uh, tragedy of narrowly averted when a tyre went hurtling over the barriers to uh, hit a parked car and missed the spectator stands. Ultimately, it came down to a last lap dash for the spoiled new guard and got the best of it. Uh, for the Kiwi contingent, two of them, Scott Dixon and Scott McLaughlin, finishing 6th and 14th, respectively. Now, we spoke to Nick Yeoman, um, who is an indie man, uh, about a month ago, and uh, we talked about uh, this race coming up. Uh, yesterday, Nick was uh, on track calling, and uh, it's great for him to uh, be available to us again this morning. Nick, thank you for your time. Morning, how are you? I'm really good. Um, I've got to ask how you are, though. Um, uh, you know, commentating a, a, sport, a sporting event um, at the best of times can be quite exhausting. You don't quite realise until half an hour afterwards, but... How hard is it when you've got to fill so much time uh, with yellow flags, red flags, etc., debris being removed from the track as opposed to calling the action? 
Yeah, it, uh, it it's definitely a bit of a challenge. There's there is no doubt. And yesterday was uh, an Indianapolis 500. <clears throat> excuse me. Unlike uh, unlike any we have seen, and uh, you know, IndyCar decided to to make some. I, I think what is is being deemed as controversial decisions with the red flags. They wanted to do everything they could to try to assure a green flag finish, but uh, it did take kind of the natural flow that we see for motor racing events and kind of stuffed it in the, in the trash can and, and it turned it into uh, what was a bit of a demolition derby at the end, uh, which you never like to see, uh, but it is the Indianapolis 500. Those guys were driving as, as hard and as fast as they could because it is, as you mentioned, the, the greatest motor race uh, in the world. So it got a little crazy. It got a little wild, uh, but ultimately yeah, we were rewarded with, uh, I think, a pretty exciting finish and, and a fantastic winner in Joseph Newgard, who's been trying – for so many years to get this done. It was uh, amazing because uh, with about 15 laps to go, uh, it was looking like it would come to a, uh, a fairly natural conclusion in terms of uh, driving skills and speed, etc. And then, of course, uh, Felix uh, Rosenfist uh, hit the wall and Kyle Kirkwood at the same time, and that uh, sparked all sorts of problems. What happened there? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, we get down to the last 15, 20 laps and everybody's pushing hard and, and, uh, and Joseph Newgarden, the eventual winner, actually made a pass on the outside right in turn one where I was, uh, where I was stationed going around the outside of Felix Rosenquist. And at the end of the race, nobody wants to lift. Nobody wants to give an inch. And Felix kind of kept his foot in the throttle, and the car just drifted up and, and got a little sideways and hit the wall. And when he spun down to the bottom of the racetrack, the natural force dro drove him back up the track where he clipped Kyle Kirkwood. Uh, the scariest part was that it sheared off the left rear tire for Kyle Kirkwood. Now, IndyCar has tethers attached to all the tires to try to avoid this thing, uh, but uh, clearly something went spectacularly wrong. Kirkwood hit the wall. He flips upside down. He, he slides and, and grinds along the racetrack. He was perfectly okay, but the scary part was indeed that tire going up into the air, uh, and, and thank goodness that it didn't get into the grandstands because IndyCar has seen, we haven't seen it in a long time, uh, but we've seen what those tires can do, and and uh, and and certainly it's it's it can be tragic. But uh, we we dodged a bullet with that accident for sure. Glad to see both drivers walk away. And and again, thankfully that tire didn't get in the grandstands. But I know IndyCar is going to do everything they can to look into it and make sure that something like that doesn't happen again. But it's also part of motor racing that we know uh, you can make these cars and and the situations as safe as possible. But it's never going to be a hundred percent. And I think we witnessed that yesterday. Nick, can you tell us, um, the uninitiated over here, uh, why um, they continue to take uh, laps off during stoppages, uh, particularly when it gets down to maybe a last 10 lap situation? Um, is that because of time constraints or what have you, or is that just written into the regulations as such? Well, I mean, that's the thing. The, the rule book gets a little little fast and quick and, and maybe, you know, a little up in the air with, with what you can do. They just want to assure that we have a 200-mile-per-hour chase to the start-finish line. So um, ultimately, IndyCar decided after the three last crashes that instead of just driving around at caution speed and uh, and bringing the, the, the race winner across the finish line in an anticlimactic way, they'd stop the race. And and apparently there's nothing in the rulebook that says you can't necessarily do that. It's, it's probably more geared towards entertainment and less towards – the natural rules of sport, um, and and that's kind of what's created the controversial through a lot of IndyCar fans right now. Um, so it's you know I I, I I see it both ways. I want a great finish. 
Uh, and I, I don't want to have to watch cars drive around at caution speed. But at the same time, the more times you red flag a race and the more times that you restart it, I think the chance of having a spectacular crash and, and the risk of somebody getting injured goes up. So uh, I think IndyCar played it a little risky yesterday. It, it paid off. They got a great finish and nobody got hurt. But there was certainly that inherent risk. And they towed the line, I think, to a degree. There are a lot of drivers who have had a crack at this without success. Uh, there are some very well-performed drivers who, uh, when they win it, it is for the first time and the only time. Scott Dixon's one of those at the moment. But uh, that, uh, now is the case for Joseph Newgarden. Tell us a wee bit about Joseph Newgarden. Very recognisable name in the sport. Yeah, so he is, uh, when he came to the sport uh, 12 years ago, he was kind of deemed as the great American prospect. I mean, he just uh, really shined over in Europe, shined on the Indy Lights uh, feeder series, and, and really was just this polished, clean-cut American kid with a great sense of humor, great personality, and everybody liked him immediately. And very quickly, he, he started competing for race wins and winning races. He moved to Team Penske, which is uh, you know the dominant team in the sport. He won two championships, but there was a glaring hole on his resume, and that was an Indianapolis 500 win. And we came into this year, and it was year number 12, uh, for Joseph Newgard at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And there only two drivers uh, had ever won the Indianapolis 500 uh, with, with more starts under their belts than 12 than Joseph Newgard. One of those was Tony Kanaan, who was also uh, at 12 starts. So uh, it had been a while. He had struggled at this racetrack, but finally put it all together. And, uh, and I think that's what it made for such an emotional win. He got out of the race car when he when he won the race, and he jumped into the grandstands to uh, to celebrate with the fans. So it was kind of a a weight off of his shoulders type of victory yesterday for uh, the driver from Tennessee here in the United States. Nice finish for the AJ Foyt Racing Team. Yeah, no, that was a fantastic story, right? I mean, Santino Ferrucci uh, really breathed a lot of life into that group, and uh, it's been a rough month for A.J. Foyt, one of the legends of the sport, a four-time race winner. He won this race as a car owner as well back in the 90s. He lost his wife, Lucy, uh, a few months ago, so he wasn't even sure that A.J., uh, that he was even going to come to the racetrack in the month of May, but with his cars, uh, both Santino Ferrucci and the rookie Benjamin Peterson showing so much speed, I knew we couldn't keep A.J., away from the racetrack. And I'm telling you, when Santino Ferrucci took the lead at about the midway point of the race, uh, that's as loud as I've heard the crowd get at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway in many, many years. Ultimately ended up third, and Santino was in tears because of how close he was. But it was certainly a feel-good story to see that organization, who usually doesn't run up front and contend for a lot of race wins in IndyCar, for them to have a strong result, I, I think was a really nice story. Could you tell us a wee bit about uh, the performance of our two drivers, of course, Scott Dixon uh, for uh, Chip Ganassi and uh, Scott McLaughlin for Team Penske. Of course, uh, Team Penske were jubilant because uh, that's when Newgarden drives for as well. So a good day for Penske. Um, and Ganassi are always prevalent as well. But Dixon and McLaughlin. Yeah, we'll start with McLaughlin because I thought he had uh, probably more of the, the, the invisible day of the two drivers, just kind of settled in between you know anywhere from 10th to 18th for most of the day uh this was was scott mclaughlin's third indianapolis 500 and i i don't know if 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 scott necessarily has a feel for this racetrack uh quite like he needs to really contend for a race win he's been spectacular just about everywhere else we go 
but we only go to a couple super speedway major ovals like this. So it's going to take some time. I mean, he can look at his teammate Joseph Newgard winning in his 12th attempt. It may take a few more years for McLaughlin. So he kind of settled into a, I'd say a mediocre 14th place finish. Dixon had the interesting day because he started up front and during the first 30 laps, they had a tire unbalanced somehow that was rattling that car like crazy. And he free falled through the field uh, all the way outside of the top 20. They made a pit stop and then in true Scott Dixon fashion, just marched his way right back up into contention into the sixth position. And, and listen, if this the Indy 500 was another 50 to 100 miles, Scott Dixon might have won the race because he was coming, but uh, still a hard-charged and well-earned sixth-place finish for Scott Dixon despite uh, dealing with quite a bit of adversity throughout the day. A non-finish for uh, uh, Pato Award, but um, of course uh, he still re remains third on the standings at the moment. Boy, that was drama-filled as he looked to uh, make it a spectacular finish and he's becoming a very popular young driver. Oh, he really is. I mean, he had the lead with uh, a final restart with eight laps to go and got passed by two drivers. It was Erickson and Newgarden. And then going down the back straightaway on that lap, I think Pato kind of panicked and thought, I've got to get back to second so that you can have this late race duel uh, between the top two drivers because it was so much easier with the aerodynamics for second to pass first than it was for third to, to pass second due to just aerodynamic and dirty air. So Pato panicked a little bit going into turn number three, really drove it up the inside on Marcus Erickson, couldn't make it stick, and uh, did a 360 and slapped the wall. So it was, uh, again, a, a, a not finished for Pato Award, but he was very fast, and he's another guy that I think in the coming years, Ian, he's going to be in contention to win one of these races. Nick, uh, right, let's look at the points table where Alex Palau is still out in front, got a 20-point lead over Ericsson, O'Warder 185, then New Garden, Scott Dixon 162, McLaughlin 149, Rossi 145. So uh, where are we head next? Well, we're heading up to the, uh, the Motor City of Detroit, which is going to be a very interesting race because for the last several years, uh, that's been raced on the island of Belle Isle, now it moves to a downtown street circuit uh, in Detroit. So it's a brand new racetrack. Nobody's raced there. And uh, thus, I think this points championship could change quite a bit with nobody having a feel for the race uh, or, or what to expect from the track. And, and certainly, as well, as we head to these summer months, this is when I expect some of the veterans of the sport to start clawing back into the championship. Uh, Palo and Erickson have done a great job through the first five or six races. But I wouldn't be surprised if Newgarden or even Scott Dixon, maybe even McLaughlin, get hot, string together a couple wins and uh, make this points championship a lot of fun and very tight headed through the summer. Massive crowds, massive crowds throughout the whole week and the build up and the preparations, etc. We've just had an issue of uh, crowd behavior here on a lot smaller scale than uh, in terms of the crowd. But uh, it's been a hot topic because um, it interrupts the sport, of course, and it's just a pain in the neck. Uh, to be perfectly honest, as well as quite dangerous. Uh, what about crowd behaviour in an event like uh, the Annapolis 500? There are a lot of very passionate motor racing fans there. Um, does the, the nature of the event just overtake all that sort of stuff? I think so. I think even for those that show up to the Indianapolis 500, and there's a lot. We're looking at you know estimates of 300,000 to 325,000. I mean, it's, it's the largest single-day sporting event. Uh, that we have in the world there's a lot listen a lot of people drinking and having a good time and, and maybe you know unaware of their uh, their situation but i think by and large there's enough people there that kind of respect the event to keep it in check 
The Indianapolis Motor Speedway does a really good job with heightened security uh, just because there's so many people there that they really take the precautions. Uh, you're right. I mean, one of these days it, it may spill over into to a situation. But uh, as far as I heard, Ian, no issues yesterday at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. There's a massive cleanup going on right now because of all the, the tailgaters leave behind quite a mess. Uh, that uh, the Speedway always does a great job of having that place look spotless in a matter of 48 hours. But, uh, yeah, no, no complaints and, and no issues yesterday from the massive crowd. Nick, great, absolutely great report. Um, great for you to uh, join us again this morning and uh, look forward to uh, catching up with you again at some stage. Uh, outstanding result for Joseph Newgarden, and thank you for your time. Uh, certainly was. My friend, have a fantastic week. Yeah, same to you, Nick. Uh, travel well. Uh, thank you very much. It's 10.17 here on SENZ. Experts in agriculture covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, we're on track to get yesterday's one up, actually. Their Braves did beat the Phillies convincingly yesterday. And uh, the women's NBA game between the Las Vegas Aces and the Minnesota Lynx, uh, we went for 169.5 points. There were 167. So we got that one home as well. At the moment, Banfield are beating Rosario in that Argentinian uh, football match too. Uh, and that was at 2.25, so we're looking okay for our 5.74. Today, uh, we'll go the Dodgers to beat the Mariners at $1.43. We'll also go Game 7, Boston to play, uh, playing Miami, of course. Um, I would think that Boston might win this, but I'm looking more at the total points in the game, and I'm thinking uh, over 203.5 points. Over 203.5 points at $1.87. Uh, and there's uh, French Open tennis uh, actually as well. Leila Fernandez to beat uh, Clara Toussaint at a dollar eighty-seven. Uh, that's expected to happen tonight at our time. So uh, that dollar uh, forty-three, dollar eighty-seven into a dollar eighty-seven is a five-dollar return. Uh, we'll look forward to to that. On the subject of tennis, and we've got a text in from Maggie. Hi, Smithy. Could uh, could you uh, good on you for your stand read the Warriors game? I would love to know if any of the pitch invaders. We're the non-compliant census folks. That would be interesting, Maggie, wouldn't it? It uh, puts another swing on it. Um, also, can we expect some chat from a tennis correspondent, Roland Garros? It's a slam, Maggie. It's a slam. So I can see Louis Herman Watt already making notes about an update at the French Tennis Open. And it's gone under the radar a wee bit, Maggie. You're absolutely right because of the number of defections, particularly on the men's side of the draw. Um, but uh, Maggie... Uh, absolutely we will get an update on uh, this week and we'll also get one of course uh, come close at finals time as well a fortnight long tournament thanks uh, very much for your text Kevin's come in and said uh, morning Smithy I've always held Stephen Fleming in higher regards but they have become higher how good is he and where to down the track not having seen it and the replays at midday uh, so I'll tell you what uh, you want to watch it Get the volume up, get yourself a cup of tea, Kev, because uh, you'll love it. You've seen plenty of close finishes in your time, um, but this is an absolute ripper because uh, it was just fine, fine batting under pressure by uh, a really 
highly rated, particularly in India, all-rounder by the name of Ravinder Jadeja. Now, commentated in the 2019 World Cup alongside a fellow by the name of Sanjay Mandraker. Sanjay Mandraker, during commentary, called Ravi Jadeja a bits-and-pieces cricketer. Well, my goodness, did uh, it hit the fan then. To the point when Ravi Jadeja uh, batted quite beautifully for India in that game. As he was walking off when he got out, he pointed his bat at the commentary box looking for Sanjay Mandraker. And afterwards, uh, there was a vicious uh, exchange on Twitter to the point where Sanjay Mandraker basically had to back down. Uh, otherwise, he would have lost his job in commentary. That's how precious <laughs> it, and how hard you have to work as a commentator in those situations. And he just called him a bits and pieces cricket. In other words, he wasn't absolutely outstanding, but he could do most things pretty well. Didn't like it, Ravinda. Uh, and didn't display that at all again this morning. Uh, displayed some serious match-winning capabilities. John says, so why is this only a league problem? Uh, when was the last time it happened in a Super Rugby game? Fans are allowed on the park at the end of games to meet the players in rugby. Did happen, didn't it, in a Crusaders game not late, long ago? Um, and, and I don't think he got that far on the field to be a major disruption. But uh, yes, it did, did happen. It does happen from time to time. And um, I've never sat too much in crowds and I don't quite know what the incentive is to do that whether it's a dare um, whether you know there's money to be made out of it or whether you're just a I don't know just a buffoon uh, Paddy's come in hey Smithy what annoys me the most about the pitch invaders is they weren't even <laughs> naked if you're not ballsy enough to get your kid off then get off the field it's a joke <laughs> excuse me a good streak is funny it's not actually these days. Paddy, clothes or no clothes, to be perfectly honest. Um, really, um, you know, I, I know that used to be quite a novelty. Um, but since the days where that bloke ran on the court and stabbed Monica Stellish, the rules have changed. The rules have changed in pitch invasions because um, you don't know what people are carrying these days. You don't know if they have a personal grievance against anyone. You're passionate about the Warriors. Do you hate the Broncos to the point where you would... Um, you're on there to threaten them. We don't know. Well, you don't know what goes through the head of uh, these people. And so it's the fun element has absolutely disappeared, Paddy. I get your point. Back in the day when it was a novelty, everyone thought, yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, but they still cheer them on now, and that uh, is half the battle. Half the issue in the whole thing is they still get crowd support for what they do. Uh, right, it's coming up to 10.30. Uh, we'll take a break now, I think. Uh, we'll get to Araha, and then we'll come back with uh, Sammy Ackerman. There's not many more people who are devout in terms of league followers than Sam Ackerman. He'll have his views on the Warriors-Broncos match, perhaps uh, more on the uh, on the match itself. We haven't talked too much about the match itself and what happened throughout that game. At the end of the day, of course, the Warriors didn't get up, which was disappointing. So what now? They've got the Dolphins next at home. We've got State of Origin tomorrow night. It is um, like a dream week for Sam Ackerman. We'll find out about it very shortly. Best of honour this morning is uh, one Sam Ackerman, and uh, you only have to listen to the show once when Sam's on to know his passion for rugby league and uh, for the Warriors in particular. Uh, Sam, uh, good morning to you. Not going to go pitch invaders too much on you, although you would have been uh, grossly disappointed by what you saw um, because we need to really get back to um, the reality of the fact that the, the Warriors... Uh, didn't get up on a perform on a night where they perhaps uh, left it too late. 
Yeah, morning, Smithy. And I think it's been uh, done to death. The only thing I'd say is that if you want real punishment, then I think anyone who's uh, made to pitch and vage kept in a, a holding cell and made to front the players afterwards and see how they uh, how they feel about knowing that they uh, stole momentum um, from from a game. Uh, you've, everything else you've heard along the way. So, yep, it's it, it, what ticks me off the most about that is that I'm one of those people jumping up and down saying the NRL should do more, bring more games to New Zealand. Well, it won't happen. It won't happen. It's uh, that the the rug's been pulled uh, after Wellington and and Napier with that behaviour. So it's, you know, the rest of it is to be said. But as for the Warriors, yeah, they, they definitely left it late. And um, I personally, I'm one of the, those who have no problems with that last try being ruled out because of it's just it was a stupid play from uh, from Pompey. But the fact of the matter is that while they lost, the Warriors still find themselves in a reasonable position in this competition. So we shouldn't start thinking that it's the wheels falling off or it's a massive drama. I know they haven't had a, a huge uh, run of success of late, but the Warriors are sitting in eighth spot on 14 points. Top spot is 18 points. They're two wins off the best performing team in the uh, in the competition right now, and they've got six points on the bottom point uh, bottom place as well. It's that kind of comp they can move um, up and down pretty freely, but. The Warriors are in as good a position as virtually every other team in the comp. So it's uh, not a bad spot for the the Warriors to find themselves, given that they haven't been firing on all cylinders. That said, um, the, some of the choices being made by the Warriors right now need to uh, be examined. Yes, they're in the contest. Yes, they're fighting their way back in there. And so we, we ask for uh, any team that um, you know flies the New Zealand flag is that they uh, they dig in and give it a go. But just they just need smarter decisions. And if I, if I was the mm. coach, I'd be dropping Adam Pompey. Just to send a message, I think it's pretty important that uh, that if you can't if you can't keep your head in those scenarios, there has to be some level of consequence. It's not Pompey's first time uh, doing that. He's he's a decent player, um, but I think that there needs to be some kind of message sent to the team that if you can't make if you can't be counted on to make the right decisions, there is something that's got to pay for it. What about you? Talk about the decision making, and I assume you're talking around uh, you know the last play, the kicking options, etc. To a large degree, uh, Sam. What about the combo? Um, you know, we saw Luke Metcalf come back into the uh, the frame after a really impressive preseason start to the season. The combination with Sean Johnson. What'd you make of that? Uh, fair to middling, and for the first time out in that um, in that session, I'm I'm not particularly surprised. He's played some first grade, and uh, Warriors fans um, have got big raps on Luke Metcalf. And remember, at the start of the year, I'd say almost the majority, just the majority of Warriors fans, were calling for Metcalf to start and Johnson not to be in the team. That's how far. If we go back that stage, people were saying Johnson's past it. We we know he's kicked on and uh, and he's turned around um, his fortunes and the teams greatly the season Johnson but that's that's how high people were in Metcalf the kids still only played seven first grade eight now first grade games so he is still very young he's still very new and to, we can't expect too much of him I thought he had some nice touches but obviously there were some that were a little uh, rusty as well so I'm I'm comfortable for um, for that first game I think a start against a, a Broncos team that um, was not at full strength was a, a good place for it um, I'm not somebody that thinks that the Broncos are necessarily ripe for the picking come origin time because they have an incredible legacy of playing the baby Broncos, as they call them, um, playing above their station during that period of the year. So, you know, that they could hold their own um, was not surprising against the Warriors. Uh, it, 
these these defeats are frustrating, but I, I, I'm still one that casts my mind back to last year, Smithy, and go, I would have taken that kind of loss against the Broncos every day, <laughs> twice on Sunday last year. So that performance, is, is it still got enough in there for me to think that this Warriors team is still tracking well? Sammy, haven't spoken to you since the confirmation that Chanel Harris-Tavita will return to the club, which puts a question mark over the spare playmaker position as such. What have you made of this signing? I've never known the Warriors to have this glut of riches in a position like the halves. Remember that it was almost like a, a dearth. They've had a lot of players and a lot of you know the squads have been full of half options, but that's because none of them were holding their own in a position. I mean, cast your mind back to um, there was a period there when like Grant Ravelli and, and Michael Witt were holding uh, down a spot for a while. But besides that, it's been an ebb and flow of people moving in and out of six and seven. When Johnson was uh, locking down seven, he, he would have played with countless sixes along the way. So uh, I think that the level of depth in the halves, and you can say with the outside backs now, considering we're still talking about the fact that Chance Dickel-Klukstad and Roger Tuivasa-Sheck are both incredible fullback options, and one of them will go in the centre and a quality centre misses out. Same with the outside backs. That half glut is unbelievable in my mind. I, I you know, I'm, I'm comfortable with Volkman um, being in the mix there, and we, you know, Tamari Martin's become almost a forgotten uh, part of the conversation uh, of late. I mean, surely he's going to come right back into it when they uh, when they come in. I, I feel somebody, and I think that potentially um, uh, Chanel will be the guy needs to become that roaming hooker kind of role um, uh, on the bench because Havita's uh, got a hit on him. He can tackle. He's got a, a real high energy uh, there. He can play. He could throw him in the mix um, in the uh, the middle if you needed to as well. So I, I presume that there's, uh, there needs to be a little bit of development in that way of some of the uh, six and sevens having uh, some nine tendencies to their game. But Jesus, it's phenomenal. What, what he's a he's a great character. Um, I, I always loved the tenacity he had when he played uh, for the Warriors. That he's back so soon is wonderful. But it's um, I've, I've, like I say, I've never known there to be that kind of stockpile, and I'd love to see a bit more depth maybe um, thrown in some other areas. But um, when quality's there, quality's there. Right, let's uh, look at what's coming up because uh, that is so so important to stay competitive and stay in the eight, and that is to be the side which has yes. been. In the eight since the first round, and that is the Dolphins. Uh, back, uh, returning back uh, to a place they're more familiar with, of course. Um, you know, I, I look forward to this one. I think it's uh, quite mouthwatering for Wayne Bennett bringing his troops. Yeah, I, I can't wait. I mean, it's, it's got it's got a something spe- a special feel to it, and obviously the inaugural game for the. Uh uh, Warriors was against the Broncos that built this kind of rivalry. This is the first time they've played and that it's happening here and there's been a real history of camaraderie between the Dolphins and uh, the Warriors for those who um, might not follow closer to the details when the Warriors were locked over in Australia. Redcliffe was their base so uh, the resources shared and the two clubs worked in quite a symbiotic nature which hopefully leads to a bit of a, a, um, a simmering rivalry in the in the competitive side rather than the nasty side but I, I think these two sides are beautifully matched up for uh, for what to, what's to come and the kind of ma- the kind of footy they can both play I think will lead to a, a great game and as I say if this first game is uh, one that can be uh, that can stand out it can build a, another really special rivalry for the Warriors. Rightio, uh, tomorrow night, uh, Sam, it is State of Origin 1. It is at the, at the Adelaide Oval. Uh, so they take it to a neutral venue again for Game 1. They should get um, a really healthy crowd. Of course, it's not uh, so much a league state, but uh, they're taking it there. 
Latrell Mitchell out. Uh, first bit of bad news for New South Wales. Um, how do you see this? Yeah, he's, he's a big loss. Um, he is a, um, they, you know, as Phil Gould would, would overstatedly call him, he's an origin player, right? He, he lifts to that arena, uh, even if if he's not going great at Clubland, he can usually step up and uh, make a real mark when it comes to origin. He's got a, a fight and the emotion, is not to mention a, um, a an incredible array of skills. So uh, he's a huge loss because he has also been in great form uh, along the way. So uh, Stephen Crichton um, has been in that arena before. He's won grand finals. Uh, he he knows what he's doing, but he's no Latrell Mitchell. So that, that this is definitely a loss in my opinion um, and one that I imagine would be well targeted. But, you know, Crichton has been with the camp the whole uh, the whole period for New South Wales, so he has been training and practicing. Uh, he's not some just brought in and suddenly learning what they're trying to do. So that is certainly of benefit. But um, yeah, the, the, if if Munster and uh, Cherry Evans are smart, and they are, they will direct um, some big boppers in his direction to uh, make sure he feels under pressure because there have been occasions where uh, he has been a weak link uh, at Origin level. So I, I would definitely be um, seeing a lot of traffic his way but outside of that it's I, I still love the look of the New South Wales backline um, it's it's very settled uh, it's very similar to the one that's been successful uh, in the past uh, Tom Travojevic is um, a player who we know what he's capable of when he's actually running around and I say this with the greatest of love to, to Manly fans with a, with a team that's going a bit, bit more decent than the Seagulls I think that he's got some um, untapped potential to really throw himself into this game so um, New South Wales Theoretically, you'd say kind of are the underdogs, but I'll tell you what, if if Queensland had lost a player, they'd be jumping up and down, saying, "Oh God, the world's against us." You know, oh another thing we've got to overcome. You're forgetting the fact they've got these champion players along the way. So New South Wales, they just you know soldier on, get over it. Whereas um, Queensland need to make a drama of everything that you know, stub toe or uh, anything goes wrong in their camp. So I'm. Uh, I'm quite, I'm quietly confident, but I think if there's a real area that I look at as a turning point, um, I'm, I think New, New South Wales may be a little bit weaker, in my opinion, uh, on the bench. I think that the Queensland bench is incredible. Like Jai Arrow and Ruben Cotter, are just they love, love to get in there and roll their sleeves up um, when it comes to Origin. Uh, Big Tino and Harry Grant as well have, have achieved so much already as. Uh, rep players. We I mean, imagine the luxury of being able to tell Harry Grant you're not not capable. Of, not we're not going to start you in this uh, this arena. That's how well um, stacked that Queensland side is. So it's re- it's really well balanced. Really, really um, on a knife edge for me. I, I I can't confidently sit here and tell you who I um who I think is going to win. Like no, with the knowledge, I, but I certainly feel that uh, that New South Wales have got a little bit of fire in them. And the player I'm probably looking at the most from either side. Hudson Young uh, in the second row making his debut. This is a bloke that a couple of years ago, a few years back, served two suspensions in a season for eye gouging. He's a bit of a, he's got a bit of grub in him, uh, and uh, how he how he responds to that uh, in the Origin Arena, I'm really interested in. Uh, and uh, he'll be ma- well matched by Tom Gilbert, who plays the same way for the Dolphins and for um, for Queensland. So when those two cross paths, if they do, I, I'll be sitting there with a popcorn smithy. I'll bet you will, Sam, and uh, I look forward to chatting to you about it at some uh, point in the in the near future as well. Uh, I can't wait for it either. Big advantage to win that first game. Hard to come back from oh, uh, one nil down. So we'll look forward uh, to that with uh, relish. And of course, uh, the Warriors 
and the Dolphins next weekend. Uh, it's uh, three or four days of fantastic league coming up. Sam, uh, brilliant to catch up with you, mate. Thank you for uh, summing that up for us, and uh, have a terrific day. You too, Smithy. Take away. It is uh, Sam Ackerman there. If it's league, it's Sam. It's as simple as that. It's 10.43 here on SENZ. Kiwi for the Rugby World Cup. Thanks to the SENZ app. I've been tuning in at all hours of the day. From Izzy to Ricardo, what a roster we have on SENZ. It's Kiwi for sport. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Rightio, it's uh, 10.48 here on Tuesday, and here we go again. Um, We're going to try and race at Hastings today. It's a soft six again, Louis, and it's a nice fine day overhead, Louis. So let's just uh, cross our fingers and toes, etc., that everything goes smoothly today for their eight-race program. I would suggest that if we can't get this race day completed, we are... Oh, no, nah, I don't want to speak in hyperbole, Smithy, but we, we'd have serious problems, and we do have serious problems, but not this serious, I wouldn't suspect. They will be making sure that we race today. I've got full faith that they've got that right, and um, I'll lobby one to start our day, because we'll still be on air, so we'll be able to work out whether it goes all right. Mark Clayton has found us one in the first race on the card. Ravina Rose, local, James Bridge, being ridden by top apprentice who rides Hastings as well as any jockey at the moment, Taylor Mitchell. Twenty-one dollars into elevens, currently eleven dollars and three fifty. So right at your price, Smithy, for five bucks each way. And I, um, after Clayton pointed it out, I am very understanding as to why, because going back through its first up run, the Redwood Mare, um, better than the six on the form line represents. Yep, she was, she was going okay, and I think fitter she should be pretty pretty well placed today from barrier five so there's one at long odds eleven dollars three fifty shout out clado and the filly i really want to watch and i still want to watch is or kestrel in race number three so looking forward to seeing orchestral go around today that was the the horse i wanted to watch last time and the two-year-old savabil filly uh she goes around today now there's just so much so much uh news smithy because where we've got NZTR doing their Entain Roadshow to try and explain it to stakeholders um, what this means and what this might mean. And I enjoyed chatting to Bruce Sharrick, and they're still trying to pin down their numbers and how much money they're going to have to spend in the weekend. Well, today, uh, you can go at 1pm, if you are listening, to the Kentucky Lounge at Tarapa. 1pm, uh, you're going to catch up with all of the NZTR crew. Bruce Sharrick and the uh, team will be there. So they're doing a roadshow tomorrow. They are then at... Uh, the Terror to Love Lounge, Addington Raceway from 9.30 before getting back up on Wednesday, Well, that's it, which is tomorrow, to Palmerston North Aalpuni Racing Centre, 4pm. So Hamilton Christchurch Palmy, they're on a road show, so they're trying to get around and explain what the next wee while looks like. And, and the other big news, your friend Andrew Brooks Cast- Butch Castles and um, John Elstob, those there in, at Waikato Racing Club, well, well, first, it was Auckland Thoroughbred Racing. They were founded in an amalgamation of clubs. Waikato are doing the same thing. Waikato Thoroughbred Racing has been formed. Waipa, Cambridge, 
and uh, Tarapa Waikato Racing. Waikato Thoroughbred Racing, it will now be known. They don't necessarily have assets to um, sell off like the, like the Auckland situation, but what this does is it creates organisation, it creates synergy across clubs. It'll be easier to make decisions moving forward. It's very good news. It's yet again another bit of a green shoot for the industry. So well done to the Waikato administrators that have made that happen. Louis Herman Watt there, thank you very much with that update, that was news to me, absolute news to me, I look uh, forward to the performance uh, in race one as well of Clado's Hot Shot, uh, and we'll talk to Brendan Popwell very shortly, uh, Pop's of course a big, big racing man, we'll find out about the odds for the Celts Heat game today, um, and he might have a few on that uh, amalgamation too that you were just talking about, uh, it's 10.52. SCNZ, it's Kiwi for Sport, call any time, 0800 150811 The SENZ app Download it today and never miss a moment of your favourite show Streaming live anywhere, anytime. anytime Brand are experts in agriculture Covering your equipment, parts and service needs To help you succeed in your field Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ we're coming up to 11 o'clock. Smithy back in just a second. Uh, text from Ant. I just missed Clado's $11 shot. Could you please repeat? Ant, I could. Ravina Rose, race number one. James Bridge, Taylor Mitchell. Brennan Popwell from the TAB is on the line. An astute racing man. He can probably see Clado's logic there. Pops. Hey, hey Louis. Gee, that's getting smashed, that horse in the first race. Uh, I'd be getting some of that $11. I know there was $21, but... Uh, take some of the 11s while you can. That might be changing. Just on Hawks Bay, races two, three, and four. Favourites getting well back. Mr. Bully T looks a really good bet in race two. He's short at 185. Race number three, Orchestral. You can get $10 in the 1,000 guineas. I think she's that good. She's $2 to win race number three. And in race number four, you've got yourself uh, I'm Wonderful tonight at 185. All four of those horses I've just mentioned have been one of the better back runners for the meeting. So there might be a multi looking in the face there. Uh, just quickly on Game 7, the two greatest words in sport, uh, and that, of course, is with the Heat and the Celtics. Boy, the Heat are getting really well back. Louis, three times as much money in this match as opposed to the Celtics. We've taken $2,000 on the Heat at three twenty-five. Our biggest bet on the Celtics, 2500 at $1.31. If you like a power play in the match, Tatum and Butler they both get 25 points each, five rebounds, five assists. That's currently sitting at $3.00. And 50 cents. And in state of origin, game number one tomorrow, New South Wales, $10,000 on them at $1.72. Ah, Pops, you're too good. I don't know what to do with this game seven. Half the logic says that Celtics can't win because of history. The other half says that how could Miami stop this momentum, especially when Jimmy Butler looks like he's lost his legs a little bit? Very curious. I don't know. What do you reckon? Double eight, double three, or 0800-150-811. Celts, heat. Decide it for Smithy, myself, and Pops. What's your best bet? Brad from Dunedin, you'll be out there. Coming up after 11, it'll be Alex Pledger. He'll have a lead. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 
Well, and one of the seriously feel-good stories of the year so far, it was quite special over the weekend to see one of our most respective basketball identities back on court. Two years after his uh, cancer diagnosis, uh, Alex Pledger has worked his way back to basketball, signing with his old Southland Sharks and completing a return that might have seemed pretty improbable not that long ago. Uh, the timing couldn't be more fitting either, with May being Bowel Cancer Awareness Month and uh, Alex uh, being a fitting ambassador for that cause and uh, he's been good enough to give us a bit of his time this morning. Uh, Alex, uh, thanks very much. Uh, tell us a wee bit about uh, your ambassador role for this uh, Bowel Cancer Awareness Month. Um, uh, morning, thanks for having me on. Anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that's um, obviously over the last couple of years has become um, quite important to me. It's been a, um, <clears throat> you know, it is, you know, it is one of those things that has a, um, I don't know if stigma is the word, but it is kind of considered one of those things that that young people don't get, that health healthy people don't get. It's kind of like an older person thing, kind of something like that. And I'm obviously a pretty, you know, big piece of evidence that that's not uh, exactly the case. So kind of just to help, um, you know, get the word out there, letting people know what the symptoms are. Doesn't matter if you're in your 60s, 50s, 20s, whatever you are. Um, you know, you know, it's a thing that anybody can get. So just to to help raise awareness, um, you know, I, you know, it's something that I, um, you know, really look to do just to, um, you know, try and prevent and help people, um, you know, avoid the, uh, the fairly average time that I've been through over the last couple of years. Well, you've got through it, which is uh, the, the great piece of news for you personally, Alex, and for those around you as well. Um, and just brought you back to uh, the basketball court. So uh, tell us about the emotions uh, when you set foot at those big feet of yours, uh, headed across the white line onto the court. Uh, tell us how it felt. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, when I was warming up for the game, it was kind of like a like a first day at school kind of feeling. It was. Um, I wouldn't say I was nervous, but I was definitely a little bit anxious and kind of just. You know, after after so long, just wondering how it was going to go. Um, you know, the legs and back are still a little bit sore a couple of days later, but um, but yeah, it was just um, you know to have have my wife sitting in the crowd and her watching and uh, playing for the team um, that supported me through the entire ordeal. Um, yeah, it was a it was a pretty special moment, and um, even though the the result of the game uh, didn't go. Um, the way the, the sharks are hoping, um, yeah, it's definitely a memory that I'll that I'll look back on fondly. How uh, big a carrot was that while you were going through this terrible process that you had and these down times and these the, this period of great uncertainty for the future? How big a carrot was basketball for you? I mean, I, I ask this on behalf of of younger people who still have goals left in their life who may succumb to to uh, illness as well. How how important was you to have a goal? Um, yeah, it was it was something that I always it was always a goal in the back of my mind. It, it wasn't completely within my control because you know just depending on how treatments and surgeries and recoveries and various things went, and when, and when I was doing those things, you know I wasn't thinking 
oh my god, I have to get back on the court, but um, I was concentrating on the you know the treatment, the recovery side of it. But it was always in the back of my mind. Um, you know, I would like to get back out there and um, and um, you know finish my career on a more positive note rather than kind of um, having um, you know a not so great ending like that. And um, yeah, so about a couple of months ago when I got um, the all clear from the doctors and was able to start training again, um, you know, my body responded quite well to that stuff. And um, yeah, I couldn't be happier that I'm, that I'm able to step back on the floor again. Alex, uh, through adversity, I think a lot of people learn things um, about themselves. <clears throat> uh, what did you learn about yourself? Uh, what, what was... Um you know, probably the, the thing that um, you look back and think, yeah, I, I was pretty cool because of. Um, what did you find out about yourself as a person? Um, just that it might sound kind of silly, but the just that how much how much power your mind has over your body. You know, I kept I kept a very positive mindset throughout the entire thing. Um, and as I mentioned, you know, that's not always, you know, the outcome isn't always going to be um, uh, within your control. But, you know, just and just just knowing, but I'm not sure how to put it into words, but just like the just knowing that you can overcome something that's pretty terrible. Um, it just kind of, you know, just puts puts things in puts things in perspective just let you know that sport's not that important it's you know just you know when you put your mind to things you know you can accomplish a lot and um yeah it's, it's kind of a difficult question to put into a couple of words but it's just um yeah it's just just knowing in your mind that you have the the ability to overcome difficult things um you know, it's not a thing that you want to necessarily learn when you're in your early thirties, but um, mm. or in the in the fashion that I in the fashion that I did. But um, yeah, it'll um, just you know there'll be other challenges in life, and just knowing that I've overcome something like that, um, you know, will will definitely help me out further down the line. Right now that you uh, you've got um, uh, the singlet back on and and you're back on court. Um, what kind of ambitions uh, have you set yourself? Uh, have you set yourself goals now? Um, yeah, well, obviously, <clears throat> um, I think. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, yeah, I think I had a reputation throughout my playing career as as a winning player, and um, at the moment, um, you know, in the playoff picture, the Sharks are on the the outside looking in, but we still have. Um, plenty of time to, to turn things around. So, um, you know, just whether it's on the practice court, um, setting an example off the court, because we do have, um, you know, a couple, there's a couple of guys around the same age as me, but we do have a lot of young guys as well. So if we can, um, you know, just from, you know, setting a good example of what it takes to, to be um, a professional sports person and help turn things around, um, yeah, that's one of the biggest goals for me this season. Well, if the team's about to turn it round, you have uh, got a very important couple of weeks um, coming up because um, you've got uh, the local derby against the Nuggets who have faltered of late, and then you've got the Ears at home as well. Opportunity for points here. 
Yeah, with um, you know, we've our last two or three home games, um, you know, we haven't haven't got the greatest results, but the um, we've got a new import coming in. Uh, his name's Josh Cunningham. He played for the Sharks a couple of years ago, um, and yeah, so he gets here today, I think. So we'll have almost a week of practice with him in the squad, and then you know, a couple of a couple um couple of games at home, as you just mentioned before. Um, you know, we have a double header up in Auckland with the two Auckland teams after that. So these two home games are pretty important to um you know, to steady the ship and get back in the playoff picture and then um, you know, we'll see if we can see if we can make a little run of it the last um last eight games of the season. Alex, uh, through your time in the United States through university and, and uh, your education there as well as playing basketball, of course, did you develop a favourite NBA team? <laughs> um, no, I was never, because where I, the places where I went to college didn't have NBA teams. Um, yeah, in, in Kansas City didn't have an NBA team. So I, I was always a guy who kind of liked players and I just liked whatever team that person played for. But, um, yeah, obviously at the moment, um, I've always been a LeBron fan. So, yeah, seeing the Lakers get swept out of the conference finals, I wasn't um, overly happy with that. But Denver are pretty good and they're a fun team to watch. So, um, you know, I think they'll go on to win the entire thing. But And obviously being a Kiwi, um, you know, Stephen Adams being the lone Kiwi uh, representative of the NBA. Um, yeah, I follow the... Grizzlies quite closely as well. Uh, Alex, uh, we have Game 7 today, um, obviously, and uh, the, the Celtics are on the verge of history here. No one's come back from 0-3. Uh, uh, they host the Miami Heat. How do you see this going? Yeah, I think, um, I think Boston will get it at home. It will be, um, you know, the, the fashion that... Miami lost um, lost Game Six with that um, you know, that last second tip in to keep for Boston to keep their season alive. Um, yeah, and I think Boston, you know, the home crowd in Boston and their home arena, even though their home record in the playoffs over the last couple of years uh, hasn't been that great. Um, you know, if I was a betting man, I would um, bet on Boston, but. Um, but at the same time, Miami are kind of one of those scrappy, mentally strong, kind of resilient teams. So if there is a team that can kind of overcome a bit of a, a bit of a blow like that, um, it would be them. But uh, yeah, if I was to tip uh, uh, any team, it would it would be the Celtics in Game Seven to be the first team to ever come back from three nothing. Is it as simple as Tatum v? Butler, in your regard, I mean, if Jimmy Butler has a forty-point game or a forty-five-point game, uh, does that have to happen for the Heat to be rare, uh, a real chance? Um, I don't think it has to happen. I mean, the you know the the Heat were a couple of tenths of a second away from winning Game Six, and Boston, ah, sorry, and Butler and Bam Adebayo combined to shoot like. I can't remember off the top of my head exactly what it was, but it was like nine of thirty-four or something like that. So you know they they have role players that that can step up um, and you know and play well as they have throughout the entire playoffs. Um, but yeah, I think 
it'll it'll come down to a combination of both of those things, you know, um, um, Butler and um, Bam for Miami, and but uh, sorry, uh, Tatum and Brown for Boston, and then you know for. Mm. Couple of those role play, a couple of those role players can step up and knock down a few big shots. Um, you know, I think it, it'll kind of come down to a combination of all of those things. I don't think it'll be just one guy dominating the entire game. I think it'll be the team that, um, you know, the team that comes to play the most will be the one that gets it, rather than just one guy carrying the the whole lot. Meanwhile, the Denver Nuggets sit and wait. Uh, they've created history already, getting to this point. Um, and they have, you're a big, and they have a big. Boy, do they have a big. And uh, Nikola Jokic, uh, the, the joker as they call him. How are they going to stop him? What, do you, what, do, what have you noticed about this guy who does the same role as you in a basketball team? I mean, he is just a unit who seems almost unstoppable, Alex. <laughs> yeah, we play in the same position, but um, obviously our games are vastly different. Um, yeah, he's kind of... Offensively, he doesn't really have any weaknesses. He can um, he can score inside. He can score from the mid range. He can shoot threes. Um, he can handle the ball and run a fast break in the open court. In a pick and roll, he can be the guy setting the screen or the guy coming off it in a handoff. He can be the guy handing it off or he can be the guy coming off it. He's obviously he's the best passing big man ever and probably a top top two or three passer in the NBA at the moment, regardless of position. Um, yeah, he's just one of those guys, no matter what you do, no matter what your game plan is around him, um, he can hurt you no matter what you do. So, um, and then with um, Jamal Murray and Porter on the perimeter, knocking in threes and doing the things that they do, and they have some really good, uh, defensive-minded role players as well who can knock down open shots like Bruce Brown off the bench and Contavious Caldwell-Pope. So they're going to be well-rested and um, well-prepared for whoever they wind up playing against. And, yeah, if, yeah, we've spoken a lot about Miami and Boston, but, um, yeah, I think uh, Denver will definitely be the favourite no matter which team of those two makes the finals. And, yeah, I think... Um, yeah, Denver will create uh, a little bit more history by winning the championship for the first time in, uh, in franchise history. Yeah, so that's interesting. Alex Pedger thinks two lots of history. Uh, the Boston Celtics today coming back from 0-3 and the Nuggets first time in their franchise. Uh, just for, finally, Alex, if, uh, in terms of advice, um, uh, just getting back to uh, what you've been through and what you're the ambassador for, uh, do people tend to sit back a bit long here and delay things? I mean, what advice would you have for people, not just of your age, who think they might have an issue? Um, yeah, it would be just uh, not put it off. You know, it's you know, I, I obviously you have to be careful with the way I word it because I don't want to scare people, but because the you know the symptoms that present themselves for bowel cancer also the symptoms that are symptoms of many other less serious things but um but yeah i would just you know the earliest sign of any change um you know involving that area um i'll go straight to the doctor and get it checked out and 
um, again, not sure how to word it, but if, just don't be afraid to kind of stand up for yourself and, you know, because I, I was dismissed a couple of times um, when I brought up family history and um, and the symptoms that I was having and I was told that I was too young and too healthy and all of that to, um, you know, and obviously that turned out to not be true. So, um, so yeah, I would just, you know, be, you know, kind of be persistent. Don't be afraid to, for lack of a better word, be annoying. You know, if you kind of do get dismissed um, or kind of they just assume that it's something else, you know, go get a second opinion or go back and just, yeah, keep pushing until you kind of get the answers that you want because, um, yeah, it's, it's better to kind of do that than kind of wind up in a scenario just because you're accepted accepted something like that so that, that that would be the advice that I give just don't allow the symptoms to kind of fester over time as soon as you as soon as something out of the ordinary happens um, go to the doctor and push as hard as you can to to get to the bottom of it you are the perfect ambassador, uh, Alex Bledger. Um, let's hope that that role is very successful and uh, creates more awareness. Uh, your story is amazing. You're inspirational to get back to where you have as uh, <coughs> an elite athlete as well. So congratulations on that uh, once again. Uh, thanks so much for your time, and uh, let's uh, hope those Southland Sharks get a bit of momentum. They need it going into the playoffs, uh, if that's possible. Cheers, man. Thank you. All right, cheers. Thank you. Yeah, cheers. Alex Pledger there with us, of course. <coughs> that is a story. That is a story indeed. And uh, there's a warning and some uh, very valid advice from an elite athlete. Uh, you might think because you're fit and healthy and whatever, that uh, life's going to be pretty easy for you. And then you notice something a little bit different um, in your bodily functions or whatever. And you just think, oh, well, it'll pass. Might not. Might not. Be worth investigating. Um, younger the better life uh, more life to live uh, i think uh really uh really it is um a great message from uh, alex pledger it's coming up to eleven twenty. uh we shall be heading to uh the sports desk with polaris the field day specials are now on in fact uh as we speak you can get up to two thousand five hundred dollars with the free accessories on polaris ranges on polaris ranges so uh let's uh take a break come back with louis uh, who will look at uh, what's happening in the world of sport as we speak. It's Kiwi for Sport. Call any time, 0800 150 811. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Turn up the volume, we're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Yes, and courtesy of Polaris, uh, who are associated with the sports desk uh, these days, uh, you can get uh, field day specials, as we said, up to $2,500 with the free accessories on Polaris Rangers. Uh, many more to come as well. Uh, Louis, um, what's uh, on... on um, on tap at the moment, what's hot? I'll tell you what's hot. This Devin Conway, he's going to become, you mentioned it earlier, probably our highest paid black cap, and you'd be uh, struggling to create an argument as to why he shouldn't be. 
he is Superman, essentially, across all formats. He's he's doing it all. I mean, he he doesn't really have a chink in his armour. He sometimes can obviously play across the line and it can look a little bit funky. He gets those leading edges from time to time. But you struggle to, Smithy, from a fan perspective, you struggle to find a batsman that you have more faith in when you consider three formats. And his white ball form in T20... 47 runs in a final where there was rain delays for two and a half days worth. Without his 47, nearly made a half century, which was consistent with his performance across the whole tournament. There's no way they even would have been in uh, QE of having a shot to blast two boundaries off the last two balls. So I I don't want to sound like too much of a fanboy here, but I, at the same time, want to sound exactly like a Devin Conway fanboy. Smart player. Very smart player. But he's got the skills to back it up. Uh, I think he thinks the game very well. He might even be a decent captain at some stage in uh, one or two forms of the game because he thinks through situations. He paces himself really well. Uh, this is a bloke, of course, when we beat Australia at the SCG, what uh, was it last year, in the T20 World Cup. Uh, Devin Conway was, what, 94 not out? Paced himself through beautifully there uh, and made sure that New Zealand batted the 20 overs out with a specialist batsman towards the end when it really mattered. We all know what happened. Crushed Australia. Um, Devin Conway was absolutely outstanding that day Quietly spoken um, Now 31 years of age I think So uh, we, we're going to see the best of him for, for a shorter period of time than we perhaps would have liked I don't have an issue with him being the highest paid player He's going to excel for us in all three forms of the game In fact he is going to be when Kane Williamson hangs him up Or when Kane Williamson uh, has, still has injury problems as such He's a go-to guy. It's the question now going forward is where we back Conway. You only say that about the best of the best, Louis. I totally agree, Smithy. Completely agree. To football we go. And Pochettino, he's got a new landing spot. Uh, he's been brilliant in a, a few different jobs. You know him well, Smithy. And Chelsea, who are desperate, it's fair to say, desperate in the post Roman Abramovich era, really. They have dwindled. They have not had the playing stock. They have not had the synergy. They've battled. They've had Frank Lampard come back, and it's, um, well, I guess quite a sad state of affairs for a, a once great club. And they are still a great club, but performance would speak, uh, you know, a thousand words, really, when you look at their place on the ladder. So <laughs> Abramovich, uh, sorry, Pochettino has been tasked with the turnaround. He's obviously a genius footballing brain, and he has had success. Uh, I don't know where they go if this doesn't work. That's the footballing news out of Europe. And the French Open, we had, I think it was Maggie that was looking for some French Open content earlier on. Uh, well, Roland Garris is underway. I think there's a number of reasons it's kind of flown under the radar to this point. And when you when you talk about um, Rafael Nadal not being there... and I think we're kind of in this in, we're in this in between stage where we're transitioning and we're trying to find the game's identity post this this big three and obviously Djokovic is going to dominate for a time yet I think tennis can just be left out of the mainstream I'm talking the six pm sports bulletins and that sort of thing when it loses that top end star power but I tell you who's a guy that you know I, I think tennis fans and tennis as a sport will be hanging their hat on for a long time and that is the world number one Carlos Alcaraz Garcia he is. A freak when it comes to clay. He's had a little blip in the form, but today he came out six love, six two, seven five over the Italian Koboli. Um, he will meet Novak Djokovic at some stage. That will be box office. Uh, interesting to see Dominic team dumped out. Well, I'm very curious to see what happened to Dominic team's career. I think a lot of injuries 
um, really stopped his progression. He's obviously a, a Grand Slam winner at some stage as well. I think it was the US Open. So he lost in five sets. But we will cover this tournament more and more, and we will especially follow the progress around Carlos Alcaraz because he is the future of the sport, Maggie and Smithy. Thank you very much, uh, Louis. Just uh, on that Chelsea side, yeah, um, Potocino has got to find strikers. They scored 38 goals. Harlan scored 36 by himself. Mm. They've got to score 38. Now, 38 goals is 13 less than Leicester City scored, and Leicester City are going to the championship. That's what uh, Chelsea have got to come up with, a genuine goal story. They've got to come up with a Harlan. They've got to come up with a target man and a finisher. Um, and then, of course, they've got to look at their defence as well. In fact, he's got major issues uh, when he walks through the doors at Stanford Bridge to try and sort that out. Uh, he's been able to do it in the past. He's uh, a world-class manager. But uh, for a club that has such a proud history, a huge supporter base, a lot of money, they have always had money at Chelsea, Russian money, uh, admittedly for quite some period of time, not so much more anymore, but um, to be honest, that's a big fix Chelsea got, he's got a challenge on his plate. Uh, we aren't uh, playing for huge money here, but we are playing for 100 bucks today folks, yes we are, $100 on Stump Smithy. Um, good luck for that. Louis will be uh, with the questions this morning. Brian is waiting, I can see, poised on the phones. 0800 150 811 is the phone number. 0800 150 811 is the phone number. 100 up today, 100 bucks. Um, we, uh, you can put it on the Hastings races if you like. Uh, R18, of course, bet very sensibly. Don't bet beyond your means. But we're going to contribute 100 to some lucky player today. Or... Might it jackpot to 150 tomorrow. Uh, here's Aroha with the 11.32 update. You can catch live commentary of State of Origin Game 1 tomorrow night from 9pm on SENZ. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Rightio, uh, let's get stuck into this because uh, here's an opportunity to make somebody's day. Um, we've got Louis asking the questions. I have no idea, as is always the case, uh, what the subjects are. Um, but we have a couple of relatively familiar names on the board here, Louis, for you to introduce. Yeah, we're going down country to Ed from Tolaga Bay. Ed, how did you enjoy Alexandra Park on Friday night, man? Oh, it wasn't as cool as um, Cambridge, Louis. You know how close Cambridge is? Man. Yes. That was awesome, but um, but no one did enjoy it. Me and the cousin, we enjoyed it. We were, we were cheering on our um, self-assured, but he just couldn't get a, a shooter came over the top. But um, had a click on um, race one, but that was about that was about it. It's a long time. It's a long time between clicks. Ed, uh, let's try get this hundred bucks. Hey, eh? all right. The three topics you have to choose from are boxing, baseball, or hockey. And hockey includes a mixture of the cold and warm variety. Let's go baseball. Yeah, I like that. Steer the master into the eye and try and take it off him. The American League's Tampa Bay Rays are dominating the MLB this season with 39 wins and 16 losses. Which team is in second place overall? Uh, is it Atlanta Braves? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. 
Mm, not the Atlanta Braves. I like the Atlanta Braves for a long period of time there. If it's not them, uh, I'm going to suggest to you that is the LA Dodgers. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. It is Baltimore. The Oreos. They are four games back. Wow. The Baltimore 30. Orioles. Goodness me. Yeah. Interesting. That's right. 34 and 19. Uh, pitcher Spencer Strider has amassed the most strikeouts this season with 106 so far. What team does Spencer Strider play for? Ed, think about it. Spencer Strider. Um, Tampa Bay's. Um, I'm going to go for Tampa Bay's. One of the worst things oh. I've ever seen done on a cricket field. Oh, that's Smithy singing, oh. and I'm, I'm, I'm singing the very famous chant for the Atlanta Braves. Yes, not my friends, friends, no the Atlanta it. Braves. Oh, where that go, Smithy? Where it goes. <laughs> That was almost like Logan Roy singing in the uh, succession finale last night. Yeah, I don't know if we'll see that too nice many times. Eh? <laughs> it was very good. Very tonal. Uh, see you later, Ed. Do we go to Zaid? Are we going to Zaid? Good morning, Zade. boys. Zaidy, Zaidy, Zaidy. Zaidy the snakey just slithers on in. <laughs> Alrighty. Here we go. Oh, what a name. Pete Alonso has hit the most home runs so far with 20. Oh, this is a layup. Which team does he play for? The LA Dodgers. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Rightio. Pete, uh, Pete Alonso. Pete Alonso. Oh, come on. Um, I think he's um, if he's not if he's not for the Yankees, he's, I think he's New York. I don't think I think if, uh, I'm going to go. I'm not going to go the Yankees. I'm not going to go the Yankees. But I've seen this guy mentioned in dispatches. I'm pretty sure he's a New York team. And if it's a New York Yankee, it's more likely to be Judge or one of or Stanton or one of those guys. Um, I'm going to go to hell with it. I'll go for the Mets, the team down the road. Down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Wow, wow, wow. Stockley is on a streak. Two in a row. Sorry, Zaid, he's just too good for us. I don't know anything about baseball, so I don't have a clue. Oh, you, it was uh, a good I guess. The, I, I saw this guy in a game uh, not long ago, actually, when um, I'm not quite sure he was leading, but uh, they were trumpeting how good he was. And it was, you don't often see the Mets on telly, actually. They're not one of the star ones, but when they come up against the Yankees, it's always a series that they promote uh, heavily because I think it's the tunnel game or something of that I'm nature. I'm looking forward to the NBA today, though, Jason. I wonder if uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can bring it home for the uh, Boston Celtics at the old garden. I think they might do it. I think they might be too strong. Nice, nice change of subject, uh, Zaid. Uh, look, I think you're right. I, I, I do think you're right. I think home advantage will be absolutely massive. Uh, on this occasion, and they're going to create a bit of history. So, who wins the final? 
Who wins the final, Zade? Get it from Zade first. Uh, Denver Nuggets, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. I think they'll be way too strong. Good on you, mate. Thank you very much. Thanks for taking part. Uh, the good news is um, for competitors who missed out today, tomorrow it's well worth getting into. It'll be 150 bucks for a Wednesday, which is a great result uh, for somebody, I'm sure. It is uh, coming up to 11.41 here on SCNZ. We shall take a short break, come back with uh, some text and some more comment. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes, a chance to read out some uh, text from the Temper Bed Post, a text machine. Uh, Smithy uh, says, Mark, I wonder if uh, Harris DeVita would have been as keen to come back to the Warriors if they were down the bottom of the ladder. Probably not, Mark, I would think. Um, if you want to resurrect your career and uh, start all over again, you want to start with a team that's uh, in good fettle, with a great coaching staff, a great uh, front office, and uh, a great feel about it. And I would imagine that um, that's uh, where you'd want to be. Um, would he have wanted to play at the end of last season? I think that's what you're talking about as opposed to this season. Well, uh, who knows, but uh, the fact of the matter is uh, he's made a decision to be part of it uh, ongoing because he's got faith in uh, the setup that they've got now and, of course, uh, Roger Tuovasashek will be there sooner rather than later, we hope, but um, it's uh, another issue. Uh, so we'll keep uh, an eye on that. Uh, all 10 starts, uh, all ten starts starters score 10-plus points at 13 bucks. This is Brad. This is talking about Game 7 today. So all 10 starters... To score 10 plus points at 13 bucks. That's an interesting one. Uh, I hadn't ever considered that. Game goes to overtime and Boston wins at 21. Whoa, what a thriller that would be. We go to game seven, we go to overtime, and Boston, the home team, wins at 21 bucks. Now that is a fairy tale. Uh, Tatum, Brown, and Smart all to score 20 plus points. They all play for the Celts, the Celtics. Tatum, Brown, and Smart all score 20 plus points. That's at $6.50. There are your odds there. Um, Louis, what's the yeah. horse? Wadamu Pin says he only has to steer home tomorrow from Mark. Well, on the basketball and looking at kind of ridiculous power plays, I actually had a little $40 bonus bet. Thank you, tab.co.nz. And I actually have had a stab at a, 60, a $76 shot, Smithy. And it, what? it's about as... Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Jokic to score 30-plus points in every NBA Finals game. Now, of all of the $76 shots I've seen, this is not the most implausible. There's a chance, because especially if they play Miami, where they've only got Bam Adebayo, who's undersized at best, and they do have lots of guards to throw at. Same with Celtics. I mean, I just... Not, not telling everybody to gamble responsibly. It was a bonus bet, so that's what I've done. Uh, as far so as the horse, just that, tell me that. Can you please just tell me that bet again? Jokic to score thirty plus in every NBA Finals game. And every so it doesn't mean that he has to score in all seven. It's just every game that is played. If they win four 0 he scores over. I like it. I like it because if they do win four 0 he probably will have. He probably will have. I like it. I, th- I do. I, I don't think it's uh, too bad at all. Uh, Rightio, um, in terms of um, the, the other one you were just about to talk about? 
Yeah, well, we spoke to Widamu Pin uh, on Saturday for the mail run, and he it was ahead of his first day riding. He was very excited. He was very nervous. You could tell he's a young young man, but he's um he's done the right thing for his career, and he nailed it. I think, he, well, short of winning a race, he just was fantastic. He he put. He put a $12 shot right into the race, and uh, he got done on the line. He, he came up the rail with Mr. Mojo Rising, looked like he was going to win a race, and then got done on the line. And he rode with confidence. He rode with poise. And I, I think he showed enough that on his first day out, I mean, we're not expecting him to go and ride five winners on his first day. Um, I think the, the Australian trainers are going to give him a chance. He can claim three kgs still. And he did mention that there was a sit-and-steer job on Wednesday. Which are words you just don't often hear. But we've found it. It's in race number two. And you'd probably assume, Smithy, that it would be $2. It's $4.50 at Mornington. Race two. Mystery moment. Second up today. Getting the three kgs down to 55 and a half. Those famous colours with the pink with the, the cross across it. John Leake. Trained four dollars fifty, a dollar fifty-five, a place. You're getting two dollars thirty top two if you want a bit of insurance. But there you go. Widamu Pin. He's got another, another few rides, but four dollars fifty a sit and steer job. Okay, cool. Um, Billy Pin there with uh, some sound advice, which has now become very public, and you might not get that uh, four dollars uh, plus uh, for very much longer. Craig's come in with an interesting one, Morena Ian. If uh, pitch invaders are bilingual road sign and bilingual road signs are the biggest problem of the day, then we should think ourselves very lucky as a country. You're right; we're not at war. Um, you know, by and large, uh, the majority of New Zealanders live a pretty good life. But then again, there's uh, a relatively big chunk that don't. So there are a lot of uh, issues, um, I guess, confronting um, all the uh, respective successful parties uh, at the end of the year to sort through um, economy is uh, is right up there interest rates of course are right up there bilingual road signs is an interesting one because uh, that is becoming very prominent uh, bilingual signs in our hospitals and uh, workplaces etc I don't have uh, too much of a problem with there but by bilingual road signs I do have a, a bit of a concern with I think on a, in terms of warning signs on roads, roads etc, bilingual road signs, I think uh, English should certainly be the dominant part of the bilingual road sign. Reason why? Not for New Zealand residents, for overseas tourists coming in, getting into rental cars. Uh, look, it's, it's a, a very small um, uh, number of New Zealanders. Uh, to be fair, at the moment, at the moment I hasten to add, um, know too much te reo. Um, don't know uh, the written Māori language at all and uh, therefore uh, it's hard, very hard to expect uh, tourists coming into the country to know any of it. Uh, they might pick up some as they travel around the country as they explore a Māori dim and uh, everything about the culture as they look to learn and educate themselves but the driving side of it and you only have to look at rental cars these days where they have the warning signs about driving left. It's as basic as that, stay left. You see it on the dashboard of rental cars. Um, you see um, they've got contraptions in rental cars these days. A lot of cars, when you uh, veer to the right or veer to the left, you get a warning sign and the steering is grabbed uh, automatically uh, away from you. Um, so all of a sudden you get to um, these road signs which um, have got to be very, very clear, very clear. Um, and uh, you have to 
be knowing exactly what they mean. So right at this point in time, bilingual, maybe. English dominated, has to be. It just has to be uh, from a safety point of view, isn't it? 11.52.